Welcome to the Edge of NFT podcast with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. We aim to bring you not only the top 1% of what's going on with NFTs today, but what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, but also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things that we love. This podcast is for the futurists and dreamers, the disruptors and creators, the fans and connectors, and the makers and doers that are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Welcome to the Edge of NFT podcast with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. We aim to bring you not only the top 1% of what's going on with NFTs today, but also what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts in the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things that we love. This podcast is for the futurists and dreamers, the disruptors and creators, the fans and connectors, and the makers and doers that are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features guest Simon Carotonagoro. I hope I said that appropriately. Yeah, no, you said that better than I say, <laughs> Excellent. to be honest with you. And a special guest uh, host, Ira Liss, who we'll introduce later. But for now, Simon, let's give a little intro on him. He's a VP of Developer Success at Engine. Simon plays an integral role in providing development and marketing consultancy for the projects who use Engine's tools. A connector within the business, Simon works with the support team to produce documentation, the marketing team to produce thought leadership content, the business development team to assist in the onboarding of new projects, and the development team to understand the needs of the developer ecosystem. So we're excited to hear about all that. Simon, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Not busy at all. That's right. <laughs> and that's just one of my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Multifaceted, multi-talented. What is another one of your jobs? Uh, so I also have my own project called My Metaverse, where I'm the project leader or CEO. Basically, since working with Engine for so many years and working with so many amazing developers and just learning so much about development and how hard it is, but also how rewarding it is, I just was compelled to do it myself as well. So I've got um, a team there that's building out, yeah, what we feel will be the first like free to earn NFT games network, really. So we're building a network. We're starting with four games that we're going to build into the network. And then we're going to build that all out, basically help bring more developers into the ecosystem. And of course, like Engine is an integral part of this ecosystem and it powers our entire NFT experience. What kind of games are these, Simon? So the games that we're building, we're building four games. So one's called MetaCity Minecraft, which is a, a Minecraft server. The next is MetaCity Roblox, which is a Roblox game. The third one is a secret, but it's a really it's within a really good game. And then the fourth one is a completely custom game, which is going to be called MetaCity Multiverse. So MetaCity is going to be this location where it's actually like transported through all of these different gaming worlds and the storyline kind of weaves in between these different game platforms and gaming worlds. And most of our items will be integrated through all of the games. So if you own one NFT, you can use them in either all four games or at least like two or three of them. Well, we broadcast globally, so your secret's safe with us. <laughs> we just found out we're in the top 30 technology podcasts in Dubai, which kind of had us scratching our heads trying to figure that out. Nice. Well, they've got good taste, obviously. Yeah, for sure. By the way, great marketing tactic. Say something's a secret. Uh, but if you tell somebody, then it's guaranteed that it'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound intriguing. Yeah. That's what got me here. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that's awesome, man. Yeah, when, uh, in terms of like launch time frame, when can we expect to dive in on some of these? Uh, so we try to build in a very iterative way. Like we try not to build in a vacuum. So we've already launched the core platform and then we've already launched the Minecraft server. And then we've already got like about 1300 users there. And then essentially we're just trying to craft that experience first because Minecraft's like, it's a lot easier to build a Minecraft server than, you know, a proper a full-fledged custom proprietary game. What we learned there allows us to perfect the central platform, which is the game's network, because that's where a lot of the NFT logic happens, like all of the transfer, basically like a, a platform, an API, and a database. So all of the transfer logic, we're trying to handle as much of the tokenomics logic as possible within the core platform. So when we build in all of these other games, we can just plug into it and we don't have to rebuild that logic again in all of the four different games. And then once we open that to the rest of the world, then it's going to hopefully be a very compelling system that developers can then join and then adopt NFTs and adopt engine and adopt block and their users can learn about blockchain. And, and that's just kind of the small part that we want to play within the wider ecosystem, basically. And what are some hints about that secret? <laughs> it's a big game one of the biggest games excellent, <laughs> um, excellent. spicy nice nice <laughs> trivial <Everybody>. pursuit okay <laughs> follow simon very closely folks that's really awesome chess go okay yeah. all right let's see all right i was curious i know that engine developed a partnership with samsung relatively early on in this game and has also developed several other interesting partnerships what can you say about how that all came to be, how difficult, easy it was, and what kind of traction that offers Engine? I think the, the main thing is Engine's been around for so long and building NFTs since 2017. So um, quickly became kind of like a household name in this space as far as having like really good products that are available to the wider population and are really user-friendly. Amazing companies and very forward-thinking tech companies that are looking for a solution that want to see that it kind of already exists generally will come to Engine and work out a way to leverage that user experience and also offer the, the immense amount of value that they can offer as far as their technical knowledge, their, their ability to create product market fits. The ways that these kind of benefits both parties is a lot of ways very tangible because, you know, the story and the public narrative and, and what people understand about both parties grows when we work together because working with Engine kind of shows the innovativeness within the NFT ecosystem. And then us being able to work with really, really great companies provides a level of proof that we're doing something meaningful. But the intangible ways that it benefits both parties is really what interests me. Like I can speak to it on engine side, like it allows us to really have an amazingly strong sounding board with based on how we build the products. And we can, and it allows us to essentially get this like super high level feedback that's driven by years of experience and incredible teams. So as a result, we end up with these products that are just getting better and better. And then also just uh, an ecosystem that thrives based on it as well. So I got to ask the question, did they bring the shredder to the meeting where you signed the contract, where you get to all dump your iPhones in the shredder at the same time <laughs> the contract was signed? Or did they give you like a little window to like move your data over? We gave ourselves the shredder. <laughs> ERC 1155, right? So for our listeners, like, I mean, this is the standard pretty much upon which the NFT system that we know that's in the public eye now is built on and made it possible. And this was developed 
as a part of the entire engine project. Is that right? Yeah. So engine started building their first NFTs in, in June of 2017 for context, like everyone's the term NFT kind of got coined like in about November or maybe a little bit earlier when crypto kitties came out and really blew up. When Engine was developing, started developing ERC-1155, like they really thought that they were inventing NFTs and they were kind of simultaneously inventing them at the same time as these other projects were. So ERC-1155 was a labor of love for, for our CTO and CEO, VTech and Maxim. They'd been in the gaming industry for 10 years already and they'd really seen that um, the gaming world needed like a, a more tangible form of digital asset to be able to scale into the future and you know work within the future economy that they saw would exist. So ERC-1155 was really based on the need to solve the most complex kind of forms of tokenomics possible, where you have video games that have economies that are nearly as complex as the real world. You know, they've got currencies, they've got items, they've got like hosts of different kinds of items like real estate and furniture and, you know, weapons and armor and companions and pets and just everything. So um, ERC-1155 is this, so as a token standard, it basically means like it's a template for how you construct your NFTs and frankly, also your currencies as well. So as a token standard, it was just built in the perfect way to become the final solution in the end. ERC-721 was kind of coined in November when CryptoKitties came out, and that's been like a, a driving force of NFT adoption as well. And kind of this year, some big kind of projects have just been seeing the value of ERC-1155 and seeing that it's, you know, a bit more flexible and a bit more standardized and a bit, a lot easier to kind of plug into all different games. So, uh, and it also has like some really cool underlying features and, and it's generally more, it takes up less energy and everything to create ERC-1155s. And so, yeah, it's, it's just become like the kind of the fastest growing standard for sure. Yeah, that's awesome big topic these days is is the energy burn from both crypto and in nfts we we all heard elon complaining about bitcoin this week and saw our portfolios plummet as a result but from a matter of practicality could you talk a little bit more about energy consumption as it pertains to nfts and what are the some of the best practices that you're bringing forward in that area and advising project teams to consider? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a very legitimate issue that needs to be kind of attacked like aggressively head on. We've kind of believed this for a long time already, not just because Elon said it, um, even though it is good that he does shed a light on it in a way. So what Engine's done is starting with ERC-1155, minting NFTs on ERC-1155 saves up to 90% in gas, which therefore requires less electricity or less share of the Ethereum network and therefore takes up less electricity to create. But on top of that, the best way is really to move these systems onto more efficient chains until Ethereum can be a more efficient chain itself. So you have some really good side chains available within the Ethereum network, moving your NFTs and, and frankly, especially your DeFi projects onto those is a very meaningful way to do it. Engines actually created their own blockchain, which is bridged to Ethereum. So it becomes a side chain and that's called JumpNet. And that actually only takes up as much electricity as one 
average American or Australian, actually. So 15 tons of carbon produced by JumpNet per year. The reason we've done that is to, of course, ensure that we can go carbon negative as quickly as possible, but also ensure that we can provide the growing NFT ecosystem a means to transact for free without paying up to $60 in gas every time you want to mint a token and send it. The successful gaming paradigm right now is free-to-play games and freemium apps. Um, so paying $60 to mint an NFT and then giving it to someone for free, it doesn't really fit within that business model very well. You're being too nice. I think Jeff and I paid $300 for some Gary V NFT last week in gas. It was brutal. That's Don't brutal. Forget the $17,000 quote that I got at one point, right? That was just a, <laughs> oh, a wow. breakdown in MetaMask. But, uh, but yeah, no. Yeah, that's intense. Insane. So yeah, with JumpNet, we're seeing that pretty much all of our developers are moving over and minting on JumpNet, sending their tokens on JumpNet to their users. Everything's happening for free, no cost. Users are trading there. You can bridge it to Ethereum anytime you want to kind of sell it on, um, you know, some of these huge marketplaces on there as well. If you want to access that liquidity, you kind of get the best of both worlds that way, where you have the complete, like the levels of decentralization on Ethereum are just like just mammoth and, and it's very powerful and really good. So yeah, there is that benefit in moving your items across to Ethereum as well. We just think that um, everyone should have the freedom to choose the kind of experience that they want. We need to ensure that people can afford these systems of value as well, but then they have the choice to move them onto yeah, other networks. And we plan to really be a connector across all blockchains as fast as possible. Can you explain what this concept of melting, do I have that right, is with Engine Coin? How does that work? And is, does something similar happen with other platforms or currencies? Um, I think this is the only one that it happens with currently. So basically what happens is when a developer wants to adopt Engine, especially if they're doing it on JumpNet where there's no gas fees, they literally pay nothing. There's no gas fees. They don't pay any subscription fee to adopt the platform, mint on the platform, use the API to integrate NFTs deeply into their games and apps. It's all free. The only cost is when you mint with Engine, you put Engine Coin inside the NFTs that you mint. That engine coin that you put inside those NFTs, that doesn't go to engine. It goes inside the NFTs and then gets transferred to the users. So it's a way to provide like a, a very base value for the NFTs that you're sending out and ensure that the users know that these are tangible in a way because there's all of this engine coin liquidity out there and they can see, okay, so these have like a backed value. Kind of the same way the USA used to have the gold standard back in, I think it was like 50 or 60 years ago where they were backing every dollar with gold to ensure that there was a guaranteed and certified amount of value behind the dollar. So it would mean that people would see more value in the dollar and trust the dollar. And it would also curb hyperinflation or just inflation in general that way. So in the same way, when you back an item with engine coin, you know that no matter what happens, that NFT is going to hold that. Not only its utility value, because I own this NFT, I can use it, I can plug it into this game and you know, get all of these benefits or plug it into this app and access this content. But on top of that, it's also got engine coin within it. And as engine coin rises and falls, that value within it also rises and falls. And as more and more and more NFTs are minted throughout the history of the world, the engine coin that's put into all of these tokens obviously gets taken off the market and then backed into these tokens. And therefore engine coin as a on-market currency kind of becomes more scarce and harder to attain. And that means that the engine coin within these tokens becomes kind of more significant, essentially. So it's kind of like I could buy something for an Ethereum 
and then hopefully sell it later for an Ethereum. But you're saying in this case, there's like an actual currency where if I wanted to get rid of that, I have to kind of delete the item or something, right? It's like, what is it? The melting it kind of means I'm exchanging it for those base engine coins underneath and that item is no longer mine, right? That's kind of what happens. So in a situation where you own an NFT that has engine coin inside it and you want to mm -hmm. trade it, you just trade it as per normal. So you just sell it to someone and they give you Ethereum for it. Melting is what happens when you want to destroy the item and take the engine coin back. Okay, exactly. Right. And then you can trade that engine coin on the market or preferably mint more NFTs with it, basically. Okay. So what percentage of your team went to Burning Man and came up with that idea? <laughs> <laughs> the percentage that counts. <laughs> I think a lot of our listeners, they appreciate the effort and skills and knowledge and experience you put into the development work that you do. But I don't think they really have a sense for what like a day in the life of Simon is working on engine and your other projects, like fill them in. What does that look like? I'm blessed with like an amazing team on both sides. It sounds like I do a lot, but actually like everyone else does really all of the heavy lifting, I'd say. So basically like on the engine side, I'm the first point of contact when a developer or project wants to adopt the engine ecosystem. So I'll generally jump on a call with them, go through their needs and understand what they want to achieve, make sure that we can even solve that problem. If we can, then I'll describe like how we can solve it from a business model wise. Also, I can actually talk with their developers, go through the documentation and talk about how it all fits in with their user experience plans and everything and show them which like API queries that they will literally plug into their app. And then once that's all kind of planned and we're all confident that we can provide value to each other, then we'll bring them into the engine ecosystem where we have like a, a private Slack channel where we have all of these amazing developers and it's a really collaborative ecosystem and everyone can kind of work together. And like, you know, with NFTs, you can create cross game and cross app NFTs. Like you own it in the wallet. Multiple games can see that you own it. Multiple games can give you benefits within multiple games. So it's a really good place for people to come together and organize those kind of kind of next generation gaming experiences. And then I'll also be in the Slack channel. They'll ping me a lot with different questions. Some of them I'll be able to help with. And some of them I'll refer to the support team, but anything to do with like marketing or kind of business planning or even some project management planning, I can generally lend some experience to. Any like really cool collaborative opportunities that come up, like that's the really the fun stuff where I get to put everyone in the same room and and organize that kind of stuff. Just try my best to take it live, even though I'm not like the most organized person in the world. And then I'll also kind of help with taking that that information or the way that we craft these collaborations, try to make the most amazing story possible that you know makes people go, wow, kind of put that into a marketing plan and a press release. All throughout that process, I'm leaning on like so many other people to really make that possible. Like you know, obviously the marketing team, the PR department, the support team, the project management within all of those teams as well. And so that's like a, been a super rewarding job. And it's taken me from, I've leveled up like so much within my own personal skill set by being there. It's been just incredible. And then my metaverse, it's a whole different kind of side of the story where I'm the project leader. So I have to kind of set the roadmap, set the vision. We have a really great company culture and I really just try to keep that in place. I work with the developers to try to plan out their sprints. I try to plan that out to be the most compelling marketing story as well, and then plan out the marketing with that. 
and then kind of lean on everyone else to do the groundwork in that project, put the content together and work with each other to kind of make sure everything launches successfully. Yeah, it's kind of like two levels of the same problem, if that makes sense. Like in Engine, I'm doing more of the groundwork. My Metaverse, I'm doing more of the kind of high level vision and and just ensuring that everything is, um, yeah, incredible, basically. So how did you first hear about NFTs and connect with Engine and get into this world? I saw the Engine ICO promoted on the Coinomy app in like September or August 2017. And I was like, oh, like, current, like cryptocurrencies in gaming, that makes sense. And then I went in and I read their white paper and I'm like, whoa, this is a whole different thing. Like these guys are actually like physicalizing game items. Like this is just incredible and this is the future. And then I read about the team, saw that they'd been around for 10 years, built the Engine Network, which had 20 million users. I was like, wow, this is the future. And these are the guys, like I just knew it. So I just, I dove into the community, just got obsessive, like reading just constantly about anything to do with you know, gaming and digital items and engine, of course. And I started writing articles and building my own kind of content base and sharing that with the team. And eventually I came on like as a freelance writer. And then, yeah, we kind of didn't even know that they were NFTs until like a couple of months later. They were just like unique items to us. We didn't have a name for them. But yeah, that's kind of how I first found out about NFTs. It's amazing. It sounds like you're building a similar ecosystem with the Metaverse project, right? That you're working on. Number of developers, people coming in, spending their time, building their commitment to the project, their passion behind it. And you mentioned story and marketing and conveying that as well. It sounds like that's the roadmap for bridging the gap from the diehard enthusiasts that are you know, knee deep in an engine and your project right now to the mass market. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I really see my metaverse as like, you know, the Steam free to earn NFT games. Like Steam is like the biggest basically gaming network in the world where you can go and find all the games that you want to play and you purchase them um, and then you play them. We really want to build that kind of game discovery platform except create a different kind of a completely different kind of experience where you can play for free. And then it's all about the NFTs that you earn and providing a great trading experience. And then if like, if you kind of envision like all of the technology that powers the Steam, like the servers and the databases and, and all of that kind of thing, if that was on the blockchain, that would all be engine. Like engine is really the engine that powers my metaverse. And, and my metaverse is just like a kind of like a, a shiny, really nice car, <laughs> like a really nice ride that's great to kind of drive. But um, the actual like, yeah, the actual engine is literally engine. So it's amazing, man. We're talking about engine and metaverse. Clearly, you have a, a perspective on the world of NFTs that's distinctive, right? You know, the nuts and bolts of it and, and really what makes these things go is you look ahead three years, five years, 10 years down the road, besides the specific projects you're working on, what else do you see as being the front runners in NFTs that are going to make this thing grow? Like NFTs is, you know, the blockchain in general is just like a very clear way to define the truth about something and that people do want to know the truth about their digital items, how rare they are, how valuable they are, whether or not they can own them forever, this kind of thing. So I feel like NFTs, there's a very decent argument that NFTs could be literally attached to every single form of digital item that you can even ever imagine even like musical content and video content and obviously art. The big thing that is going to change very soon is that people will start to think of NFTs as a product, not just a license over a product that everyone can enjoy. 
we'll start seeing NFTs that like, okay, so I want to buy that so I can listen to this music. So that kind of allows you to kind of envision like an NFT version of Spotify where it's like, all right, so I buy all of these NFTs and then I can listen to these music. But the difference is I can resell this music and potentially find like a discover, like undiscovered artists that then grow and then I can sell their NFTs later and this kind of thing. I see a reason for NFTs to be attached to any digital product, but also a lot of physical products as well. Like for example, if a musician is wanting to create like a, a limited edition run of their album with only a hundred versions of it, they can go and sell that hundred version, those hundred records to a hundred users, but the users can't really verify whether or not there is a hundred of them unless they run over to each other's houses and count up all of the numbers. You know, there's nothing really to say that there wasn't a few more created and sent to a few more users. But if those items are all on the blockchain, then you can just see on the ledger, yep, there's a hundred there, that one's mine. And it becomes really nice and clear. So yeah, I definitely see NFTs becoming the product of the digital world. And frankly, I feel like the digital world will become very interconnected. And that's when it turns into a metaverse, when NFTs are like flowing through all of these systems like water. On top of that, I also see the benefit in attaching NFTs to a lot of physical items too. Like say, for example, you own a Tesla car and you wanted to resell that right now, you have to go in a dealership or make contact with someone and go through this entire process. The liquidity is not really there and that devalues the secondary market. If the keys to the car was an NFT and you needed the NFT in your app to be able to jump in the car and drive it, all you would do is you just list the NFT on NFT Marketplace Someone would just buy it without even talking to you, walk up to the car, use the app to open the car and drive away. It opens up this new level of liquidity for physical items that has never been possible before either. And I do honestly think we're going to see a lot of that by the most innovative um, providers. Yeah, I'm not sure if that would become quite as ubiquitous as like digital NFTs. I see a great future for NFTs, to be honest with you. Well, you know, there's potential there, man, too. And like you know, your bartender overhears you having a conversation about edge of NFT, man. And he goes deep on them and the future of them and every last possible option you can imagine, right? He's thought of. So it's coming. Yeah. yeah. We got to get you a third job, Simon, as ambassador to Elon Musk. Before he tweets about this stuff, he needs to talk to you first to get his messaging <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and also integrate them into Tesla cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, That's hopefully he's listening out there. One more question for you. We could talk about chains for a while and there's a lot of different nuances with with what you guys are doing. Thanks for having me, by the way. I think that actually one of the greatest things about this era of blockchain technology that involves NFTs includes the opportunity for so many different types of people to get involved in ways that if they have the gumption and are willing to take the chance and actually deal with what might be imposter syndrome, which I think a lot of people contend with, there are a lot of ways that you can get involved, and I'm one example of that. I've been in Hollywood for 15 years. The Juggernaut series that Matt Weiner created that you're referring to that wasn't stated is Mad Men. 12 years ago or so, when I read that script and fell in love with it, I wondered whether or not it was uh, an opportunity for me to be able to pitch it around town. And anybody that would listen to me was the recipient of my enthusiasm for a show that I envisioned would be someday something that would really resonate with Americans and ultimately the world, I guess. And here I am at the precipice of another era of innovation, where I see an opportunity for content creators, creators in general, to connect with fans in a way that is so much more immersive than ever before. 
And I think that the tools that are afforded by NFTs include so many levers to get people involved in content creation and content production in the conversations once the content is out there. And cut, I'm going to rewind us to 2018 when I made a introduction for my wife, who was a, an advisor in the ICO era pre-winter. And I made uh, the introduction for her to Akon, the global recording artist, which led to the formation of Acoin. And that is a blockchain-based solution for entrepreneurs to go from being tribal to being global using tools within an ecosystem that enables them to have what are called, I'm not sure if you guys talk about dApps, access to ways to be able to use tools that are included in the blockchain solution, where the most common currency in the continent of Africa is cell phone minutes. No matter what you acquire, no matter what you own in that area where there's so much stress, a lot of people accumulate cell phone minutes that can be converted into value that can translate into accounting service, services, into uh, marketing, into development. And so Acoin provides a way to take that cell phone value and turn it into other services that enable entrepreneurs to go from selling their goods and services just on a local level to a global level. So Acoin has been around for enough time that they've been certainly positioned to take advantage of the NFT marketplace. And they have their own announcements that they are on the verge of making and some really exciting things happening with them. One of which included a conversation with Simon about potentially doing some work around uh, one of their first NFTs. And my wife, what, again, I'm going to call this my bedside education in the cryptocurrency space, said, you know, you should call Simon. And I'm going to go back to what I would consider to be, I think, the opportunity for so many different people to get involved in this industry is that whereas blockchain is certainly not my background, and I know you guys are like OGs, there's a way to get into it that if you can really see what the true value is of the tools and you connect with people like a guy like Simon, who I think means so well by the universe that we figured out how to do other things. And so more recently, we were in a position to do something for E3, the gaming conference. And they were looking to get involved in NFTs, maybe potentially create a marketplace for uh, NFTs for the whole gaming industry. That started our dialogue, which then led to a conversation about a filmmaker that I'm working with who has a nice amount of money raised to make independent movie. This is a filmmaker who's in one of the original members of Super Troopers the Broken Lizard comedy group. Simon and I really hit it off in a way where we really saw the power of these tools to engage fans. And as a result, we've now been developing a couple of other projects, one of which includes a high-octane, high-resolution metaverse that has captured locations around the world that need permits to be able to get to, like Machu Picchu, for example. They've captured Machu Picchu down to a grain of sand and so the potential to be able to put a game into the actual location of Machu Picchu is something that has never be before been able to be done. So Simon and I are exploring how to make use of that type of a metaverse for gaming, for content, and for the, the exploration within these worlds that includes so many different ways for NFTs to become a part of that conversation. Very cool. We'll have to have you on in the future to talk more about some of these other projects. But for now, I think this is a great opportunity for you to help us get to know Simon on a deeper level like you've had the opportunity to do. You want to go for it? Absolutely. 
So Simon, I'm going to fire off a couple of questions that are going to bring you back to your let's youth. Do a, let's just make sure we remind the listener of what edge quick hitters are. Edge quick hitters is just a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. There's 10 questions and we're looking for just a short single word or few word response, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. And uh, Ira, I will turn it over to you, sir. All right, my man. Simon, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Um, Paddle pop sticks. Uh, I don't know if you have these in America, but like paddle pop sticks is like an ice cream. And that like, to me was like the first time I learned about inflation. Because when I used to purchase paddle pop sticks when I was a kid, they were like 60 cents. And then like, you know, I became a teenager and suddenly they were $3. And I'm like, what is this? Like, how'd they get so expensive? And then now I know why. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me with cool. Snickers bar. That's, that's how I noticed inflation. It's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's three literally... times as much for a Snicker bar and they're half the size. Okay. Yeah. So give your kids candy if you want to teach them economics. That's... <laughs> when you get your first couple of dollars, what are you really going to spend that on other than candy? I mean, that's really what you're going <laughs> to... I forget which actor it was, but they went on one of the late night shows and they proved that Cadbury cream eggs are getting smaller. And oh, really? Yeah. Cadbury was literally claiming like, no, they're not getting smaller. Like you're just getting bigger or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, you know? And he happened to be a, like kind of like a, a really big fan of them and would keep them in his freezer. And see, he literally brought out two Cadbury cream eggs to show them one from last year that was smaller. So, Busted. <laughs> Busted. Yeah. Got him. Simon, what was the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Um, origami to my mom's friends, actually, when I was a little kid. <laughs> nice. Self-created? Yeah, yeah. Little like ducks that you could put your hand in and go, whack, whack, whack. You want to buy this? Buy me, please. <laughs> More creative than lemonade. It's a serious yeah. skill, sir. Yeah. What kind, of, nice. what kind of value oh, well. were you getting on that? And what were the gas fees? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of trees cut down, so maybe not the most sustainable business. <laughs> What's the most recent thing you purchased? Actually, like I purchased a, a MetaCitizen token from my own website. Um, we, we just launched this new product called MetaCitizens. So yeah, that's the most recent thing I purchased, to be honest. What does that token do? So we, we're going to have four different games and the MetaCitizen will be the cross game character that you build as you play the different games. The NFT will actually, attributes from those games will be embedded into the NFT and as you achieve like ranks across all the four different games, the NFT will level up, the image will change, it will become more powerful. And then as you become a more powerful character across the four games, you will enjoy the benefits of being a more powerful character across the four games as well. So it's a cross-game NFT that affects change across the four games as you level it up to. We talked about three of the four <laughs> games, I think, if I remember right. Did we talk about the fourth one? Was there, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, no, yeah, we yeah. didn't. We discussed that, that it was a secret. Oh, that's and, what uh, it was. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Okay. Yeah. Big secret, yeah. 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 If you Sorry. pay enough for the NFT, you can find out what that secret is. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> guys listening, this is not financial advice, but the founder of the company that has been mentioned is buying the tokens for that company. So take that however you want. <laughs> yeah, I had to do it for to test to make sure that the user experience worked and, and people, yeah, we're going to get their NFTs instantly and that kind of thing. But yeah, I've definitely claimed because they come out in like every NFT has a generation number. So this is number one. This is number two. This is number three. So I have claimed number one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Early access gets you somewhere, huh? What's the uh, most recent thing you sold? Yeah, I sold that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I guess before that, uh, like a TV on eBay or something like that. <laughs> or, you know, actually other NFTs. 
I sold like uh, one of Engine's multiverse characters called Mike, which is actually playable in like seven different games. So Mike is this like really kind of like strangely adorable, like rock man, like an NFT. So there's like about seven different games that can read your wallet, know that you own Mike and then let you use that character in their games. And yes, that's functional right now. So yeah, I'd say that that was the (laughs) previous thing I saw. We've talked about Pet Rocks as NFTs. (laughs) (laughs) Strangely adorable. I don't know why. It's really confusing. Like, why do I like you so much? Okay, I'll go with it. (laughs) The potential there for cross-platform NFT characters, though, is is pretty huge. Like, especially when you look at, like, Disney and their whole IP cache of properties right like if you could have any character that you could move around in these different places and do fun things with i mean there's a huge market for that yeah it also gives um a lot more power to the creator as well like say for example if disney mints the nft they own the nft supplier they can sell that directly to their their fans their users they they can monetize that on a whole different level And then those NFTs are then also playable in all of these different games. It's a new paradigm of creator, basically a creator economy. Because in the past, say, for example, you want to collaborate with Fortnite, they're going to create the in-game item. They're going to sell the in-game item in their marketplace. There's no other way to do it unless they created a whole separate marketplace just to enable you to do that. But blockchain is just that's just what it does. That's just how it's built. You mint the NFT, you have the supply, you deal with directly to your customers, and then you can plug it with plug it into unlimited amount of games and apps, frankly. Like the NFT doesn't only need to provide the user with gaming items. You could use the NFT in seven games as a gaming item, but then you could plug it into an NFT version of YouTube and then watch a very allow that to allow you to watch a, a special video or something like that. So yeah, that's the big reason why I think that NFTs are just a matter of time. And as soon as people start to realize like this potential, it's just going to be unstoppable, basically. Bring to see a return of the Intellivision. <laughs> yes. I don't know if anybody remembers that one. I mean, Atari for sure is going to come back, but Intellivision, that might see its new... Uh, if you could buy anything in the world whether it be a digital, physical service, whatever it is, what would it be? Engine? <laughs> or, or something with more within reach, probably Lost Relics. It's, a, it's one game within the engine ecosystem that is just experiencing exponential growth right now because of just how great the user experience is and how good the game loop is. And the NFTs are, are this level of economy on top of it that adds to it and doesn't detract from it. That's the thing about NFTs. You know, most people see them as these super expensive things that hurt the environment and that are really complicated to use. You take all of that away, you turn them into something that's good for the environment, that are easy to use and free to transfer and potentially earn. It's just like, why wouldn't you prefer an NFT (laughs) compared to a digital product? Why wouldn't you prefer something that is provably unique, that you can trade for real money, that you can own forever in your wallet and no one can ever take it away from you compared to a, a digital item that's the opposite. So yeah, Lost Relics would be the thing because they've really like nailed that experience. Very cool. If you could pass on one personality trait of yours to the next generation, what would that be? Probably my optimism. Optimism in a way that I'm not seeing everything as like perfect in the world and like, yeah, everything's great. But more optimism, like if there's a problem, we can solve it. So let's just focus on solving it and then not dwell too much on what should have been or what could have been. Let's just focus on what could be, basically. State of mind is everything. And if you could eliminate one personality trait to take away from the future generations, what would that be? 
Yeah, I'd say the opposite to optimism, which is basically fear. I think that's kind of like a kind of animal instinct that was kind of embedded in us to survive the centuries that have gone past, you know, when we had to run away from lions and, <laughs> and all of this kind of stuff and forage for food. But in this world, we can, you know, there's enough food to feed every single person on the planet and there's no lions chasing us. I think fear is really what causes a lot of kind of insecurity and that then leads to things like greed. And then that thing that then leads to a lot of people having a lot and a, and a few people having absolutely nothing. Generally, you can think of any world problem or, you know, or personal problem and then link it back to fear in a lot of situations. And sometimes it might help you like not make a mistake, but frankly, Sometimes it's good to make mistakes as long as you're willing to learn from them and you have enough optimism to know that you can find the problem in your mistake and solve it next time. So, yeah. What is your most prized possession? My dogs, if that counts. <laughs> sure, man. Nope. Sure. nope, doesn't count. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Only cats. Do, do I own them or do they own me? They that's, own you. I was just of, yeah. Say that. yeah. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? They're really big and annoying. A bull Arab. I don't know if you guys have that in America, but mm. it, it's like a cross between a Great Dane and um, like a Staffy. It's really like, you know, happy, goofy, like floppy dog that just jumps around in circles and, and annoys me. Like the way that he just smiles at you, looks deeply into your eyes. Like it's just that, yeah, unbelievable really. So, um, so yeah, he's one. And then the other one is, it's called Dippy. Uh, so the big one's called Dunky, small one's called Dippy. And Dippy is like a cross between a, a Staffy and a Bulldog. And he's just like, he's always got like a cute worried look on his face. And like, and except when he's like playing and like wrestling and this. So he's either always like worried or wrestling basically. And yeah, he's just adorable. Sweet. Yeah, I think I know who's on your uh, Instagram, right? <laughs> Lots of dog pics, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'd r- way rather have a way rather fill it with dogs than me. <laughs> That's for sure. Simon, what did you do just before this podcast? Actually, was um was planning the process of bringing an amazing project on board that uh, you may have ma- mentioned <laughs> earlier in this podcast that involves creating these incredibly vivid virtual worlds that you can then delve into and explore these amazing, iconic locations and just be lost in the awe of it. If you're taking this ultimate realistic experience and adding something as tangible and with realistic value as NFTs into it, I think you have a recipe for just absolute, like just phenomenal user experiences. So I think this is one of the most exciting things that I've really ever <laughs> been, been able to see in my life. And I'm so grateful to that Ira has kind of been the master connector that he is and, and brought us together. Oh, shucks. Thanks so much. I'm actually, I'm really psyched to be part of it. It's like, uh, I can't even begin to imagine what kind of creativity you guys are going to put towards that kind of a reality. It's just going to be amazing. <laughs> it's gonna be can't so wait to crazy. share that in the next episode with you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are you going to do after this podcast? Uh, keep doing that, actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll be messaging the engine team, showing them everything that I've learned so far about the project, getting them invited into the Slack ecosystem channel so we can all work together and collaborate on a day-to-day basis or whenever necessary, whatever they need, basically. Very Zoned cool. in and focused on what's important. That's it. I'm gonna be We're just a distraction. We're just a distraction in between <laughs> what's, what's going on for Simon. Best today. distraction possible. Best <laughs> distraction I could have ever wanted. <laughs> uh, amazing insights. Really cool stuff. Good to, to get to know you a little better, Simon. And, and Ira, thanks so much for running the show. And that's awesome. Yeah. Edge and, quick uh, hitters. 
Next on the on the agenda is hot topics. Before we go to hot topics, Ira, any of those questions jump out at you that you want to sneak in an answer to? Oh man, I really wanted to answer all these questions myself. <laughs> this is Simon's show. I don't want to take away his thunder. I mean, look, when you get down to like the first thing I remember buying, I'm sure you guys in America, you know, Simon's an Aussie, so he doesn't know about wacky packs. But do you guys remember wacky packs? It sounds wacky familiar. Really? Yeah. This is not known to you guys? No, what is no, it? No, I know Josh did the Garbage Pail Kids, and I it's did that. It's sort of like that. It's, it's spoof products. Like, they had things like, instead of Crest toothpaste, you had, like, a logo for Crest, but it said Crust. And it was, like, <laughs> you know, like, crud. Or, like, you had, like, a, instead of the Ajax product, it was A-Jerks. And it was, like, yeah. some, you know, asshole on there. Like, you know, like, once I got a couple of bucks, that was the first thing. You had collected them. It was such an end of, it's probably, if I had to guess, an NFT already in process type of product. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if I had to guess, yeah. Well, I was going to say, next time you're on, we'll have to dive really deep and we'll get in all We'd these questions. To. We'd yeah. love to. Yeah, it could be exciting. But we also want to get your opinion on these hot topics as well that we're going to throw out here today. I'm sure you got some interesting things to say. First thing on our list, Fox is to launch NFTs and blockchain curated animated series. Yeah, so, so Ira, you're, you're a Hollywood guy. What's going on here? What's this all about? Well, when you really think about who is poised most to both bring together the kind of fans that would be excited to collect something like an NFT and are properly subversive enough to know that it doesn't matter whether or not the thing you're collecting is actually rational or is it of actually obvious value. It's just stupid. A guy like Dan Harmon, who created Rick and Morty, (laughs) I mean, this guy is one of the smartest guys, I think, that is in the animated, maybe even in entertainment period. I have to actually sneak watching Rick and Morty when my wife goes out with her friends so I can get my kids to watch it. They're actually probably a little bit too young to be watching it, but they enjoy all the F-bombs. So Dan Harmon is creating a show (laughs) called Crapopolis that Fox is investing in, and they're going to be generating a whole slew of different NFTs within that series. And I think this is one of the most exciting things to come out of content with NFTs integrated into it. Yeah, man, I can see that. That's an innovative use case, right? We haven't really seen something like that evolve yet. I really dig it. Do you know the timeline on that? No, actually, I don't recall when they're going to go to market with it. The announcement literally just came out today. Okay. And I mean, look, one of the things that I was going to bring up is the use case of NFTs in porn, which I've had some visibility to. But this is probably more suited for another episode. We can all talk about our visibility to porn at some point. Uh, if we want. <laughs> <laughs> it's a topic for another day, for another sure. Day. But- but in terms of Crapopolis, Ira, do you think this is going to be something we can see on Fox News on a regular basis? <laughs> you know, at this point, Fox News has already, I think, abandoned the whole Republican Party. So I think you're going to find that there's going to be a lot more content on Fox that is a little bit more, I want to say, it's not family friendly. I think you'll be seeing, yes, you will be seeing probably mentions on Fox News about Crapopolis. <laughs> I like the kind of statement that you made about, you know, understanding that things don't have to be rational to be human, right? And it reminds me of the famously titled book, Predictably Irrational. It just reminds me of all these things that I've learned about how culture works or how we don't fully understand it from all the way from humans to animals. I mean, animals make art. I mean, what are you going to say? Why do they do that? I don't know. But certain birds make mating nests with beautiful colors and arrangements and things you'd look, you'd think a human made it. Why the hell did they do it? I don't know. It's beautiful. It's fun. It's whatever. But trying to peg some sort of rationality on everything 
it's not going to work. It, yeah, you're not going to figure it out that way. It flies in the face of that RSA statement that came out, right? I mean, like, who are they to actually identify what the value is of an NFT? They're saying that, what did they say? What was their statement about it being totally unworthwhile or a waste of time? I forgot what they said uh, today, but that's one of the news items I saw recently come out. Cryptographers are not going to really see the value of collectability of an NFT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see guys like Charlie Munger, what does he say about uh, cryptocurrencies? It's the unspeakable chasing after the uneatable or something like that. You know, <laughs> th- There's room for this, but it's the sort of room that has happened all throughout history. There's just going to be different personality types and there's always going to be collectors in the human genome, right? And they're going to have their own quirks about what they like, what they don't. And again, going back to what we just said, it's not always going to fit right in with the very rational, hard-edged view of value. The first thing I think anytime I see one of these exact kind of NFT plans, which is about, you know, creating this content, attaching an NFT to it, and then selling the NFT because it owns the content. I think about, okay, that's really cool. And and there's definitely value in that. But what are you going to allow people to do with the NFT? What benefit is it going to activate for the, for people? If this NFT represents this character, why not make that character playable in games? Why not allow people to, to put that character? Why not allow people to watch a special friendly introduction from that character because they own this NFT? And that's why this argument occurs as to why are NFTs valuable? Why is there, why is there a point? Like, you know, this is kind of irrational. And, and I think that's a very valid argument, but it's not because NFTs are NFTs is because people aren't using NFTs to create like legitimate products and benefits to owning the NFTs. And that's when it becomes irrational. So yeah, like literally, I think um, Fox should reach out to Engine like as soon as possible before they do this. Definitely. Uh, To me, I look at it, it's just, it's the gateway, you know, collectibles are easy. A lot of people are familiar with it. They get it. It's the gateway, right? To all this additional possibility that you've been talking about. Totally. Yeah. And I, and, and I love them. I love it for it. Like, you know, it's, I'm so glad that it has happened. But, you know, these arguments are occurring and we have the perfect answer for them. You're going to see it very soon. Everyone will know soon, but you may as well just build that into your NFT products now instead of learning about it later, you know? Totally. So uh, also on our list in the media here, uh, ESPN blog article, new NFTs to feature pro football Hall of Famers that are also Heisman winners. Next athletes to enter NFT space are Pro Football Hall of Famers, who also won Heisman Trophy, dubbed the H2H Legends of Football Collection, collaboration between Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment, which has brand partnerships with the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the NFL Alumni Association and a couple others. So, yeah, this, this is interesting. Now, we've seen sort of more current applications of sports collectibles and NFTs. And now we're reaching back into history, which I think was relatively predictable, right? Yeah. Again, the first thing I think when I see that is like, are you going to make those NFTs playable in Madden? Like, are you going to be able to run through Madden NFL wearing the same thing with the same skin, being being that um, Hall of Famer and performing the special moves that only he could do or he, or he performed in that in that event? Like, are you going to be able to access an experience that you wouldn't otherwise own if you didn't own that NFT. And unfortunately the answer is no yet, but that's where it'll go. Well, so, not yet, so- but till you're tapping into something that's, I think at the essence of collectability, which really 
has not been the centerpiece of this version of NFT collectibles. Like most of them are, are focused on new content, creation of, of new things, like even like the music NFTs, new releases of music and so on. But the reality is collectibles is about nostalgia, like fundamentally, right? When you look back over time, th- this is what it's always been about, collecting the Honus Wagner baseball card or Mickey Mantle or Michael Jordan or, or, or these things, right? And finding the intersection of nostalgia with real functionality feels like a really Mm. interesting path. And we haven't seen a lot of that so far, but the future is bright, I think. You know, speaking to that, sorry, Josh, but there's organization that ACOIN is working with, and it's not quite an ink deal yet, but they have the largest library of collectibles on the planet in the sports arena. And one of the things that we're talking about beyond it being just a collectible, which is really interesting in and of itself, but of course it didn't necessarily yield as much benefit as what like I think Gronkowski was expecting, is what else can you do with that collectible? Like when you buy that collectible, can you go inside and then see some of the life stories of that athlete? Can you get into what a moment was like for that athlete in different times of their career? Can you get into what else they did? Because one of the things that we're also finding is a lot of these athletes, athleticism was just one aspect of what they did. They're also, a lot of them are artists in their own right. There are also people that have been educators and they've got lots of other stories to share that are not part of that baseball card. So that's what we're starting to unpack. Collectibles within collectibles and just nostalgia about the the life that they lived. First thing that comes to mind when I read this article is this was intentional discrimination against Tom Brady, who did not win the Heisman Trophy, but is the GOAT. So I think there's something going on here, guys. He has his own NFT company. They're like, let's come up with a really cool concept that excludes Tom Brady. So I'm (laughs) disappointed on every level. We are finally going to escape an episode without Josh touting Tom Brady somehow, but we did not, alas. (laughs) But no, Simon, you revealed my favorite mobile game. It's what I do when... I need to chill out is play Madden. It's an incredible game. And I can definitely see what you're saying about additional sort of experiential value around certain players and certain unlocks, right? In Mm. gaming and sort of bridging those two worlds together. makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Next article on the list here on CNBC Tech. People in the Philippines are earning cryptocurrency during the pandemic by playing a video game. Axie Infinity allows players to learn income through non-fungible tokens and cryptos. Players breed, battle, and trade digital pets called Axies. A new mini documentary called Play to Earn follows several Filipino people who play the game. So this is interesting, especially just, you know, we've got Simon here in gaming and, and it's interesting to hear your perspective on this and to see like how this is touching developing areas right where the or where the economy is contracted or they're having problems you know i know we talked about a coin earlier so yeah this is actually a really fascinating and then the complaint here is you know cryptos are volatile and i guess should these people really be spending their time engaged in this game as opposed to other things what are your thoughts on this simon yeah i read that one of them bought a house in the philippines from playing the game so it's really amazing and this has been around for a while like you, you know have you guys ever heard of runescape that classic mmo that's like it's been around for like 20 years or something like that's huge in venezuela 
And there's some gold farmers that just grind for gold and then sit, then they have to kind of, someone has to pay them on PayPal and then they have to meet them in game and drop the gold on the floor. And then someone picks up the gold. And then, you know, it's this really long winded way to make the transfer. Some of these guys are earning more than lawyers over in Venezuela where their, their economy is just in really dire straits. So um, earning more than Venezuelan lawyers or. Yeah, Venezuela, (laughs) Venezuelan loans. Yeah. So yeah, I I think gaming provides a really tangible solution for the problems that the economy is facing now and will be facing even more in the future. And yeah, this ability for people to collaborate through the gaming space, provide each other services through the gaming space, get to know each other through the gaming space. You know, all of that is going to just be made more tangible by real value connecting them. Because if we think about our communities, like they are so connected by our economy, it's just ridiculous. Like economy really connects us as humans because it's how we work together. It's how we collaborate. It's how we we have all of these systems in place that allows us to function as a collaborative society. Putting that into games allows people to do the same thing, except you can do it with people all around the world. And I think that that's just so valuable for not only people in developing countries that are really in need of money, but also people in Western countries who are really time poor, but they have too much money or they at least have enough money to warrant saving time doing certain things in the game where they can collaborate with someone else and get them to do those things in the game that they don't want to do. So I think this is all going to manifest in just super interesting ways. And we're going to see a new form of economy come out of it, like a more creator-driven economy, a more passion-driven economy, a more collaborative economy. And yeah, and I think as automation sets in as and basically takes a lot of manufacturing jobs, potentially a lot of services roles, I think this kind of creator economy is really going to be something that we will need to have there to fall back on in 10, 20 years to come. So yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, I'm really like glad to see that happening. And I think it's, we're going to see it happening a lot more. How profound. I mean, the idea that everyone that has access to computer or phone can open it up and play a game and earn a living. And when you really think of it, it's a great equalizer and it potentially could solve a lot of problems around the global poverty, if you will, through gaming. And no one would have ever predicted that 10 years ago. We've seen this theme on our show consistently. We had the CEO of Digilax, Emma Jane, on our show recently. And, you know, she's allowing independent gamers to sell clothing in the metaverse while to their fans that are watching the game. And so I think you're talking about a possibility that is truly unlimited. Mm, Yeah, that's specifically our goal at My Metaverse. We're really trying to create something that allows people to create value for each other. I think like if we look at the past 10 years, like user generated content has just ruled the app and the game space. Like, you know, Facebook is all user generated content, Instagram, Twitter, Minecraft, like all of these, you know, a lot of the biggest platforms in the world, LinkedIn are all, it's all user generated content, except the user doesn't get paid to generate it. They kind of get likes and, and they get hits of dopamine essentially. I think the next paradigm is user-generated value where people are creating value for each other. And, and that can mean infinite things. It can mean content, but it can also mean like services within the digital space or just, you know, or just collaboration and friendships. So I definitely think that's the next paradigm of gaming and social media. And it just takes people to work out how to do it because people need it. People want it. We just need to do it right and provide a great user experience. And that will be the new paradigm in my view. Yeah, amazing potential to create social good. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm also just fascinated with this role that we're continuing to see of play and fun in a lot of these projects within the crypto and blockchain and, of course, the gaming space. But it's interesting to see the economy of the future is integrating with things that are both fun and productive. And for me, that's very interesting in terms of what's to come for the way that we handle education in the future. And mm. also just like professions and how we serve each other, right? If we can make learning fun, training fun, helping each other fun, providing a service fun, being creative fun and profitable, why not, right? Get rid of the fear side of things, make everything a game. Because at this point, like you said, there's no lions chasing us. It's, it's all kind of for fun and extra tokens or whatever. And yeah, I find that fascinating. Next uh, story here, uh, something from actually a site that I have never been to before, jdsuper.com. Proliferation. It's some uh, legal, legal news here. Proliferation of NFT transactions raises numerous U.S. tax questions. Do you ever have to look at that, Simon? Think about the tax yeah. <laughs> implications of what's going on, or is that aside from your your uh, pay grade? Well, at my metaverse, it's very central to what I'm trying to work out how to navigate because, you know, NFTs are, are completely unregulated right now. So you kind of have to try to work out what the, well, you know, whenever they put these laws in place, the laws are, are retroactive in a lot of situations. Like, all right, so this is the tax law and that applies for the last year that you've just been doing business. So you kind of have to predict what they're going to do before they do it and then try to fit within what you think they'll do. And that's all good. Like that's part of being on the dancing on the bleeding edge of innovation. Yeah. It's a big question, very multifaceted and something that I'm always thinking about slash that is the biggest fear that I kind of hold like as, I, as I'm building this. And that's the thing that I'm worried about. And, and I guess it's good to be scared of it because that allows me to kind of try to navigate and make the right decisions but I'm also very optimistic that we can do that. So you heard it here, guys. If you have tax questions, go to Simon. You will, you will solve all your problems. No, please don't. I hate tax. <laughs> yeah. My metaverse is just a tax advice site at this point. That's really what you're building. <laughs> There's a metaverse game around being taxed that someone's going to come at some point. This article raises a lot of interesting wow, pieces, yeah. you know, the state and local tax considerations, how these things get reported, any, how you deal with the fees involved. And it says the IRS is, for the time being, treating these type of things, both NFTs and cryptocurrency, as property. And I'm not an expert on this, but is it property or assets? Can we depreciate these things as well? I think you brought this up, yeah. Josh, in a previous episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. If the NFT or, or cryptocurrency goes down in value, it's it's a you claim it as a loss. The problem becomes when every time you get an NFT or you get a cryptocurrency, that is a taxable event. So you need to record the value in your dollars of that property, and then when you dispose of it, when you sell it to someone else, or when you give it to someone else, you have to record that value as well. So if you're doing that hundreds of times a day, thousands of times a day, it's just not sustainable. Like no business can run like that. You know, whereas with dollars, you just get paid and you, you, you know, you get money, you spend money. And then at the end of it, you, you calculate it all up and, and you have what you have. So yeah, the way they're regulating NFTs and cryptocurrencies, well, specifically cryptocurrencies, they're not regulating NFTs like that yet, but, um, they probably will. But the way they're regulating it is actually a nightmare for, for businesses that want to do the right thing from a tax perspective. 
if they could find a way to just allow you to earn and then convert it all into your local currency and then pay tax on that, that would obviously be a lot simpler than having to calculate your the amount that you gained or lost when you received a dollar worth of Ethereum and then spent it on gas like a thousand times a day. It's just impossible. So yeah. If, if anybody did gain any special insights from Simon's uh, input here, sorry, but the tax deadline was yesterday. So <laughs> we'll have to apply that to next year uh, unless you got an extension. But uh, yeah, no, we appreciate it, man. This is great stuff. I really overall, so many good insights here. Uh, I think listeners are really going to appreciate your perspective as well as yours, Ira. Really, really cool stuff coming. I, I cannot wait for the future of NFTs. It's like, I want to fast forward and see how yeah, to evolve. <laughs> I'll just take the opportunity to just celebrate with everyone that I actually finished my taxes on time yesterday. Hey! <laughs> on that topic i can't believe it happened yes i did oh, have to check man. the box about cryptocurrencies that but <laughs> yeah we'll see what happens Amazing. next year folks want to learn more about you and the project you're working on where where can they go to find it yeah so engine you can go to the website engine.io it's a really good documentation system there if you're a developer you can jump in and you can start learning how to integrate the api and, and adopt nfts within your game or your app uh, there's a really great minting panel there if you're a, a creator or a developer and you want to just jump in and start minting up some nfts and you can do it within 10 or 15 minutes and then yeah if you're a gamer and you want to play some games and earn some nfts you can come to mymetaverse.io and experience the next generation of gaming there as well. That's great. And what about you, Ira? I'm more of an email guy. So if you want to reach out to me, feel free. I'm Ira at Manifest Talent. And I'd be happy to hear any really creative ideas you may have around content that could make for a good fit with uh, NFTs. I'm a kind of guy that likes to hear from some of the craziest corners of the earth. So bring it. There you go. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something cool, then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Okay. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. Out, go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole.